Good morning. Let's bring ourselves before our God, before our Father in heaven, and start this time together raising our voices in song to him. Would you sing with us the Lord's Prayer? Good morning, Grace family. On this weekend that we commemorate the birth of our nation, a time that for many of us has always represented this, this great time to be grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy and for many of the ideals that our country has represented, as well as 
it's just a time of fun, right? The barbecues and the beach hangouts, parades, fireworks, parties, all of it. But man, this year sure feels different, doesn't it? And I imagine for most of us with the current health pandemic we're facing, the social unrest, the the racial crisis that we're uh, hemorrhaging from, as well as just the ongoing political climate that bleeds into everything. It has all just cast a dark cloud on this otherwise festive holiday. We can't gather for celebrations like we may want to. We can't gather for church like we're used to. We've, We've recently been reminded in very harsh and painful ways that racism and injustice continues to haunt our country. And we've seen lawlessness abound, even sanctioned in some ways, and and even seen historic monuments being threatened to be torn down as they remind some of the dark quarters of our history and, and some of the flawed values some of our historic leaders may have embraced. So these are troubling times. The state of our world, the state of our country, this land of the free is hurting. And the only real hope our country has is in any lasting way is if we, the people, turn to God. He is the ultimate answer to these problems. He is the one true healer of our country and our one and only real hope. We can wax nostalgic and long for those better days of yesteryear. We can bury our heads in the sand and hope this soon will all go away. We can worry and fret and get all hot and bothered by what we're seeing all around us, or we can turn to God and trust Him. As Christians, our best response is always one of dependence on God, and the most tangible expression of dependence on Him is prayer. The posture of bringing ourselves before the Lord in intimate relationship and bearing our heart before Him, casting our cares and concerns on Him. Because we know He cares for us. We know He's sovereignly in control of all things. Because we know He always has divine purpose in what goes on in His creation. And we know He has the infinite power to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done according to His good will. So let's go to God right now, lifting up our country and ourselves to Him on this Independence Day weekend. So will you pray with me? Father, we come to you now and ask that you give ear to our prayers. On this weekend in which we celebrate this country's birth, we are soberly reminded of our need for you. This country which we love, a country that has brought us so much freedom and prosperity and promise is struggling. It has lost its bearings in so many ways, and we, its people, are reeling with the effects of this fallen world. Freedom, this glorious idea that our country was built to provide its citizens, the freedom to pursue one's self-determined happiness with minimal constraints, freedom, the antidote to tyranny, needs a reset. Lord, help us to come to grips with the truth that the worst tyrant is the sin that lives within us, and that true freedom, properly understood, only comes from you. You and you alone are our true liberator from this tyranny. 
Lord, this country that you have seen fit to place us in has provided us with unprecedented blessings. Your grace has shone down upon this nation in so many ways over its history. We are so grateful. We are grateful for the freedom that we have had to worship and gather together as your people without fear of persecution from the state. As we are mindful of the many in this world who do not have that privilege. But Lord, for many of us, the comforts and prosperity and freedoms that we have enjoyed have caused us to lose sight of the fact that even though this is our home for a while, your kingdom is not of this world. And as your people, we are citizens of a better country. So Lord, I pray, help us to live in this place with the proper mindset. Remind us we are strangers and exiles on this earth. And help us to see ourselves as expatriates of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we have been painfully reminded of late that this nation, which we so dearly love, is both great and flawed. As we consider some of the tragic, immoral realities in our history that, have, that we have legally sanctioned, such as the enslavement of African peoples and the systematic killing of millions of unborn children. Lord, have mercy on us. May these realities temper our sometimes overly romanticized or idealized notions of our country and keep us from making America as an idea, an idol in our hearts. Yet despite our sins, you have blessed us in innumerable ways and we have been able to live and bask in these lavish blessings. And what's more, you have allowed this country to be a blessing to other peoples and nations. Millions around the world have been blessed by this country over the years, and we are so grateful for that. So Lord, help us to properly hold these realities together, and may it give us a spirit of humility as well as gratitude. But Lord, above all, may we remember the true gospel freedom that we enjoy as your disciples. And may the gospel freedom we enjoy be reflected in the way we love one another so that those who don't know you might come to experience for themselves the greatest freedom ever offered. Have mercy on us, Lord, and on this nation, and may your grace continue to shine on us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. As we talk about freedom... And as we celebrate the birth of our nation, with all that's going on around us, most of us are at the very least experiencing some level of confusion, maybe hope, uh, probably discouragement, a number of emotions. We can find our common ground as Christians in the gospel, which teaches us to love God and to love one another. Jesus never taught us to try and make sure we got our point across. He told us to love. That's what he told us to do. And love is messy. And love costs something. Every time when you really love someone, it's hard. And it usually stings a little bit. So uh, we need to actually be in that space and think about that. So as we enter into this song, here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Put yourself in that space of hearing from your God. How can I do these things, God?
Galatians 5, looking at how we're called to serve one another in love. So this is Galatians 5, 13 through 18. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is the word of the Lord. 
So this morning, we continue our series on the one another's of Scripture. We are looking at what does it mean to be the church, especially in times like this? How do we relate to one another in these times? And this morning, our one another comes in verse 13, where Paul says, serve one another in love. And this is really a passage about our freedom in Christ and how we are called to use that freedom. So I thought on this 4th of July weekend, where we remember the freedom of our nation from another nation hundreds of years ago, we would talk about what is true freedom? What is freedom in Christ? And how are we being invited to exercise that freedom, especially in terms of how we relate to one another? So here's what I want to do this morning. Two things. First, I want to talk about what we've been freed from. And then I want to talk about what we've been freed for, according to Paul in Galatians. And really, the the note of freedom dominates this passage. Verse 13 begins, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So let's talk about what we've been freed from. And I just want to encourage you over the next couple minutes, as much as you can, just try to soak in the truth that we have freedom in Christ. And I know these are familiar truths, but we need to be reminded, I need to be reminded every day. So let these next couple minutes just be a washing of a reminder of the freedom we have in Christ. So two things specifically that I want to talk about that we've been freed from. The first is this, is we have been freed from a life under the law. That's how Paul ends our passage in verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. And I think in today's language, we might say it this way. We have been freed from a life of religion. We've been freed from a life where we're constantly trying to justify ourselves before God. A life where we we look at God's moral commandments and we see the way he wants us to live and we try to obey those commandments as a way of gaining his approval. And it's a life of what I call performance-based approval. A life where we're always trying to perform for God and his approval rating of us goes up and down. When we're performing well, God smiles on us. When we're not performing well morally, God frowns on us. And that is a really tough life to live because, of course, we don't always perform well morally. And so the other thing we tend to do in that kind of life under the law is we engage in what I would call spiritual image management. We are constantly trying to manage our image before God and before others. And the way we do that is we, we try to engage in certain religious activities that make us feel like we're legitimate Christians. And then we have to do something with our bad. So we, we try to maybe compartmentalize it or hide it or minimize it or rationalize it or, or make it up in, in other ways. And so we're constantly trying to perform and manage before God. And honestly, it's, it's a really tiring life. It is a spiritually exhausting way to live. It is not a free way to live. It is a life of bondage. And Galatians is one big shout out to say stop to that kind of life. I mean, in six chapters, Paul is reminding us, do not go back to that way of life. There is no freedom in that life. And you have been called to freedom in Christ. And this is the gospel that Jesus Christ entered human history. And he alone performed perfectly for God. He completely fulfilled the law and all of its requirements. He was the perfect human being. And then he offered the perfect sacrifice for sins. Everything we try to do to cover up for our sins and and deal with our sins, he did perfectly and he did it once and for all on the cross. And so by simple faith, 
meaning a simple trust in what Jesus has done. And by identifying with Jesus, finding ourselves in him, we have God's approval and we have it always and forever, apart from any work we do, simply by what Jesus has done and through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul sums it up beautifully in chapter four, where he says this, God sent his son to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as God's children. So, and hear this, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. What a great truth. We can relate to God as beloved children who have his affection and his approval all the time because we're in Christ. There's freedom in that truth. And then the second thing we've been freed from, not only have we been freed from life under the law, but we've also been freed from the world. And this is not as central to what Paul is talking about, but it's certainly present in Galatians. What I mean by that is we no longer have to live under bondage to the ways of the world. And I actually think this is the one that most of us need to be freed from more than life under the law. This is the one that really gets us. And here's how this works. That that we look at the values that drive the world. And in our context, that's values like being successful, being significant, being, being seen as beautiful, being wealthy, all these things. And we let those values sink deeply into our hearts. And we let those values drive the way we live our daily lives. And so we start working really hard to try to justify ourselves to the world. And what we do is we engage again in performance-based approval with the world. We try to perform in ways that keep up with the world. If I, if I could have this kind of job, if I can have a house in, in this neighborhood, if I can have kids who do these kinds of things, if I can have a body that looks like this, if I can make these kinds of connections, whatever it is, then, then I'll have the approval of the world. And we engage in image management, right? We try to present the best view of ourselves to one another. We're constantly wondering, how am I measuring up? How am I keeping up? How am I comparing with those around me? And that is a life of bondage. And Paul wants to say to us in Galatians, in Christ, you have been freed from that kind of life too. In Christ, the world does not have to have a hold on you anymore. And what's so great is Paul's own example. I mean, before Paul became a Christian, he actually, he hit all the standards of success by the world's eyes. I mean, in his, his world, it was this, this Jewish world. But he had it all. Like he was wealthy. He was successful. He was seen as this up and coming leader. He, he was doing it in the world's, world's eyes. And then he met Jesus Christ. And his relationship with the world completely changed after that. I want to read to you a really interesting passage at the end of Galatians in chapter 6, where Paul says this. He says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And that, the, the last two phrases are fascinating. He's saying, when I met Jesus Christ, I saw in him and his death for me something so valuable that my relationship with the world fundamentally changed in that moment. The world was crucified to me, meaning the world was dead to me, meaning I didn't really care about the world anymore. All of its values didn't mean anything. It, its hold on me was gone forever. And by the way, I was crucified of the world. The world now looks at me and says, you're not such a big deal either, Paul. You're, you're, you're not the special to look at. The relationship with me and the world has fundamentally ch changed. That love affair 
with the world has been broken forever in light of the love of Jesus for me. And so he's inviting us into that kind of life. He's saying, you are in Christ. Your identity is secure. And so the voices of the world don't need to have a power over you anymore. You you don't need to buy into their definitions of success. It's funny, I was thinking this week as we celebrate, you know, the 4th of July and our, our nation's freedom, this whole idea of the American dream, which is originally this, you know, idea of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, which is a beautiful idea. But I think in our current context or our, where we live today, it kind of gets, you know, distorted and changed into something like, you know, success and significance and the pursuit of possessions and those kinds of things that really can get inside of us. And I think Paul would actually say, you know, in Christ, you've, it's not that you've been freed for the American dream. You've actually been freed from the American dream. Uh, Not that those are bad things in and of themselves, but you've been freed from that whole pursuit of a certain way of life, the way the world goes. You don't have to live that way anymore. It doesn't have to have that kind of hold on you. You are free for something better, something more eternal and more substantial. You are in Christ. All right, so all that to say, this is what you've been freed from. You've been freed from constantly seeking God's approval because you already have his approval in Christ. And you've been freed from constantly seeking the world's approval because you just don't need it anymore in light of who Jesus is for you. So here's my thought experiment for us this morning. I want you to imagine like if you actually could live your days completely in that freedom. Like you're never trying to perform for God and you're never trying to perform for the world. You, you wake up and you realize I'm in Christ. I am the beloved. I am significant. I am satisfied. I am secure because I am in Christ. What if you lived in the freedom of that every day? Here's the question. What would you do with your life? Like if you really lived in that freedom, what would you do with your days? How would your life look different? And Paul has an answer for us. And I think it's a pretty surprising answer. And here's his answer. You have been freed to serve. Amazing. Verse 13, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. You have been freed to serve. It's a pretty surprising answer. He's talking about freedom. Then he goes on to talk about being servants and he uses the language of a first century household servant, which would feel anything but free. But he's saying that is, that is the, the gospel that you have been freed in order to live a life of service. And I think the essence of it is this, you have been freed from the self. From this life where you're constantly focusing on yourself, constantly trying to get approval of yourself and, and, and legitimize yourself and manage yourself. You've been freed from that to actually for the first time begin to focus on others. To step into other relationships and, and be able to say like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I am good. I am secure. I have everything I need. In light of that, I am at your service. Like, I actually have the freedom to focus on you and ask you, what is it you need? How can I help you? How can I listen to you? How can I, can I serve you in some way? I am entirely at your service. I want to use my freedom to serve you. That's the life we're invited into. And what's so beautiful about that is, is when we begin to live that life, we exercise our freedom in serving one another, 
we follow in the footsteps of our Lord. And you think about Jesus, he was the freest human being who ever lived, right? And if anyone was free from the constraints of the world or, or, or even the law in a certain sense, um, he was the freest human being. And yet he constantly used that freedom to live a life of service. Last week, we looked at the, the passage that says he was in nature God himself, and yet he took on the nature of a servant. One of my favorite passages in that regard is John 13, verse 3, where, where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples uh, for that, that, last, that you know, last supper. And John makes a really interesting comment. He says this. He says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. What is so interesting to me about that passage is the connection of the first verse, which mentions Jesus' authority, his privilege, his power of, of coming from God, returning to God, having everything. Like, that's who he is. And then it says, so, knowing all of that, what does he do? He makes this active choice from that place of privilege and power and authority to take the role of a servant, to take out that, take off that outer garb and to put on a towel of a servant and serve. And we are called, we are invited into that kind of power, that kind of, excuse me, pattern where we, we take the freedom and the power and the the privileges and the blessings, whatever it is that we've received, and we use all of that to serve others, to lift others up, to help them in, in any way we can. That is the Christian view of freedom, freed to serve. So what I'd like to do for the last five minutes is just take a minute to, to talk about serving. And I just wanna share like four rapid fire thoughts that I have about serving that struck me this week. Cause that's really the essence of this, right? We are free to serve one another. So here they are, the first is this, um, I think serve is a really helpful word for us. And I say that because the passage also talks about in verse 14, love, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And love obviously is the greatest commandment, but I think love can get kind of amorphous in our culture today. I mean, love is a feeling, uh, love is such a broad term, but serving is much more tangible and concrete, right? And specific. I mean, you can end a day and look back at your day. If you ask yourself, did I love well today? You can probably get away with going, yeah, I think I did. And just sort of generally think you did that. But if you ask yourself, did I serve well today? Um, you have to be able to identify like concrete, practical things you did, right? I mean, I would define serving simply as doing helpful deeds for one another. And so there's something very specific and tangible and concrete about service. And that's important, I think. It puts flesh on the bones. It gets down in the gets down and dirty, so to speak. So that's the first thing is I think serving is a helpful word because it's tangible. Um, the second thing that I want to say is I, I love that anybody can serve. You know, it, it, serving doesn't take uh, talent. <laughs> it doesn't take expertise. Um, it's great if you can serve within your giftedness, but but really all it takes is an attitude. It takes a certain posture and maybe a little bit of paying attention, like a little bit of opening your eyes, opening your ears and, and noticing people and then moving towards them in ways that are serving, but anybody can serve. Third thing I love, 
um, we can serve one another in the midst of big issues and we can serve one another in the midst of little issues. So right now we've got like these really big issues in our nation, right? We've got this whole racial conversation and the racial tension that we're seeing. It's a huge, massive, big issue. And so I think the question for us right now is like, how can I step into that conversation? How can I step into that issue with the heart of a servant? How can I take the role of a servant in that massive issue that is so much bigger than me? But how can I take the freedoms that I have? How can I take the opportunities I've been given? How can I take the resources I've been given to serve well within the context of that conversation and that issue? How can I step in with the role of a servant? Or even as we think about COVID, and we're recording this midweek, just to let you know. So I don't know what has changed between now and when you will watch this. But that massive issue, the question is, how can I approach that from the place of a servant? How can I serve well in the midst of that worldwide issue we're facing right now? There's all sorts of opportunities to serve. How can I consider those at risk? How can I consider those around me? How can I serve practically, tangibly? So serving can take place in big issues. But the thing I love most about serving is um, serving it can, it can take place in such little issues. I mean, you can serve in so many little ways. And I, I, I think a majority of our service is really those simple, humble, sacrificial acts that largely go unnoticed. But I, I just wrote down a, a list of simple acts of service, a note written, a phone call made, a meal cooked, dishes cleaned, chairs stacked, a touch given at the right time, a kind word spoken, a back rubbed, an errand run, a hurting voice listened to with compassion, a prayer offered, these simple, humble acts of service. And, and one of the great joys for me in my role as a pastor is getting front row seat, a front row seat to many of the ways that you serve one another. And these humble, simple ways that most people will never see that go completely unnoticed, but that are actually the heart and soul of how the body builds itself up in love. It's beautiful and it's simple. And it's, I, I just love watching it. You guys are great at it. And that brings me to the final thing that I would say is just to remind us that a life of service uh, will often be a thankless one. Meaning that these humble, simple acts will often go unnoticed. Uh, they'll go underappreciated. And oftentimes we won't get thanked. And so the question we have to ask ourselves in, in light of that is, why am I doing this? Why am I serving? What drives my service? Is it in the hope of being recognized or noticed or appreciated? Or is it another way of trying to justify my life? And I think the ultimate answer has to be this. Why do I serve? Here's why. Because I am entirely free to do it. Because in the gospel, I am utterly free to live this kind of life. And ultimately, I serve because that's the life that Jesus lived. And he tells me that in that kind of life, I will actually find true life. I think that's the only way to live a life of service that is actually rooted in joy and that is sustainable, and that is rooted in gratitude. So there it is. Let's use our freedom to serve one another in this time. The passage ends by talking about walking in the Spirit. 
and being led by the Spirit. And I really do think that's where this all starts. It all starts with waking up every day and inviting God's Spirit into our lives and starting and saying, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I am in Christ. Thank you that I am secure, that I'm actually taken care of because of all that you've done for me. In light of that today, I am at your service. Guide me today. Show me how I can serve you by serving others. That is the posture we're to take. We express our freedom through serving one another. See on me. 
Well, we hope you have found our time together to be encouraging to your life and faith, and we encourage you to keep the conversation going with whomever you may be with by engaging the following discussion questions that we've provided with you here. And let me just close our time with a benediction that's just one of my favorites from Romans 8, 38 and 39. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.